Good morning, church. It's good to see you in the house today. Uh, It's good to see all you in the building this morning and those joining online. It's good that you are with us as well. Father, my prayer today is that as we have come into the house of God, that as we have lift up our praise and our worship to you, Father, we pray that you would feel our love, that you would feel our adoration, because Father, each of us in this moment, we give glory to you. Father, today we are in this building because of you, and so we give glory to you, Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I just want Cam to come up. He shared something with me during worship, and I think it's relevant to share with the body. So while we were singing there for a while, the goodness of God was chasing after us. Well, when you picture that, what does that look like in your mind? I'm running this way, and he's coming after me. We're both going the same direction. When's he going to overtake me? I've been waiting a long time for the goodness of God to catch me and tackle me, and where has it been? Stop and turn around. If you picture yourself in the stream in life and and these packages were going by you, you didn't see them coming and, oh, there's a missed opportunity. Shoot, I wish I could have caught that. Oh, there's another one. Rats, I missed it. Oh, nothing good ever happens to me. The word of the Lord is turn around. When you're facing upstream, you can see them coming. And if you miss one, doesn't matter because there's so many more coming. The word of the Lord, Hebrews 11:6. Here, I'll just pull it out and read it so you know it's authentic. And of course, the Bible switched. I'm going to read part B first. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So you can expect goodness. You turn around, you orient towards him, and you expect it because that's the biblical law. That's the covenant. Goodness is aimed squarely at you. It's aimed at your finances. It's aimed at your, your relationships. It's aimed at your body health. Whatever you need, the goodness of God is aimed right at you. But our faith requires an action, right? Faith without works is dead. So you might have to do something to catch the goodness of God. If you stand there in the stream and you see them coming and you don't do anything to grab it, it will pass you by. But take take heart. There's more coming, more goodness coming. If you've missed a bunch, doesn't matter there's more coming the goodness of God is unending unending and even if you've got a legacy of decades of missing it today's a new day turn around right now if you need to but the goodness of God is for you so open up and say okay Lord let's say that together now okay Lord I agree to your terms I'm gonna try to act in faith And I receive the goodness you've got aimed at me. Isn't that beautiful? 
Like, I mean, we're just living life sometimes, and sometimes we just need to stop, and we need to turn around, and we need to put our hands up, and he will meet us. I'm telling you, if you get nothing out of today, I hope you got that. Is that in your life, in your journey, stop, turn towards him, and just let him touch you, because that's who he is. Amen? All right, so we got a number of testimonies. How many of you like testimonies? Half of you like testimonies. Well, hopefully by the end of this, all of you are going to like testimonies. Uh, I'm excited today because I believe there's power in the testimony. And so I went to district conference this last week, and, you know, one of the things that came up was this whole concept about cultural relevance versus cultural transformation. And I'm a firm believer in this is we want transformation. 100%, right? So again, there is this tug of war bit to be relevant today, which I'm not saying is completely wrong, but I am saying this, relevance just to fill seats is not what we're after. We're actually after transformation. And we're not after just transformation in this building, we're after transformation outside of this building. We wanna see this church transformed, we wanna see this city transformed, but how many of you know this? You can't have cultural transformation if you don't have personal transformation. Personal transformation is where it starts. And if we have a personal transformation, something begins, something shifts. And when you've had that revelation from God, I don't care who you are, your faith is built up in a new way. Whew. So we're gonna hear some testimonies and there's gonna be a challenge that comes afterwards because these testimonies are in some different areas. Some are in the area of healing, some are just in an individual's journey in life, the hardships and how God can actually carry you through the hardships. We just wanna see and hear different testimonies of what God's doing so it will build your faith. Because my prayer is that when you walk out of here today that there will be a boldness that falls upon you a boldness that falls upon each and every one of you. That you will be personally transformed. And then we will begin to see our culture transformed. Amen? Amen. All right, so the first person I wanna come up is Mr. Cam Hunter. Cam's gonna start us off. He shared something with me a few weeks ago and I thought, Cam, you need to share that on a Sunday because it's so powerful what God can do when we leave this building. And so Cam's got a couple testimonies. I know he's gonna share one from work, right? And so two from work, which I'm really excited about. So let's welcome Cam. So, uh, hi everybody. <laughs> I am in the construction industry. So. Take a moment, close your eyes for a second, and picture the typical construction worker. See, a yeah, right? A little bit of butt crack on the plumbers, ex-cons. Those are the people that I hang out with at work, or at least used to um, a lot more. So, first testimony. I'm working with two Middle Eastern family members, their cousins, and uh, they've got a background in religion. And for whatever reason, on site, we're talking about hearing God. And they're, of course, they, well, he's way out there. He doesn't talk. And I'm like, oh, yeah? So in this house, we've got some, you know, training around the prophetic and whatnot. And so I did a very simple prophetic exercise with them. I'm like, okay, you want to hear God? And they're like, yeah. Like, okay. So here we go. 
simple prophetic exercise. You know, it's quick and spontaneous, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like. So if Jesus came up to you right now and presented you with a meal, what's the meal? What's your first response? And each of them got an answer, and they're like, okay, that's, that's a little weird. It just jumped to mind. I'm like, okay, now, part two. Ask him why that meal. And they each heard something like, okay, well, that's, that's a little weird. And they said, well, okay, what about you then? So then I look at one of the two, and I say, okay, well, here's the thing. I'm seeing you get presented a pineapple. And as soon as I say that, the one cousin starts going... <laughs> I don't really know these guys. When I think Middle Eastern, I don't think pineapple. Well, it turns out this guy's father, his pet name for his son is my pineapple. So then the door opens and I can just prophesy a little bit about here's who you are, here's what you're called to do. They both got saved on a job site. So that's one. Two, I'm still on a job site. Different day, different guy. Um, guy comes up and he's like, I got to go home. I got a migraine. It's so bad. I got to go. I'm like, come here. So he's like, oh, walks over. I take his hard hat off his head and literally just do this. In the name of Jesus, come off. And his eyes go, what did you just do? I'm like, well, I just said in the name of Jesus, come off. You saw. He's like, uh, it's gone. What do I do now? I said, go back to work. <laughs> so he walks away with his kind of like, what just happened? Well, a couple hours later, he comes back to me. And he's like, it's back. It's back. Do it again. I said, no. He went, what? I said, you do it. He's not a believer. He's like, what? I'm like, you heard what I did. You do it. And he's like, takes his hard hat off, puts it under his arm, puts his hand on his head and says, in the name of Jesus, come off. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, what the heck is this all about? I'm like, God's demonstrating to you that he's real and that he cares about you. You wanna meet him? He got saved on the job site. So you wanna keep the sword or do you third? Go ahead. Okay, third one, different environment altogether. A little bit edgier. Um, I was at a wedding in Mexico, in the pool, at the swim-up bar. <laughs> a bunch of people at the wedding are all hanging out there and whatnot, and I just feel the spirit start to move. And I have a drink in my hand. No theological implications or whatnot, but this is the setting where this happens. And I just start to, here's what I feel like. You're called to do this and this and this, this person that I'm sharing with, I'm being intentionally um, uh, oblique so that they're not identified. But this person goes from being just talking about, hey, who are you? Here's what I do with my life to trembling and sobbing in the pool. And it's like, what's going on? How do you know? And in that moment, it's not about me, the vessel. It's about God wants you to know that he's there and he's real and he knows you, he cares about you. And I didn't follow up immediately on the spot and say, now you must get saved or whatever. I just left 
this person with that and let it marinate. And later on, this person starts tracking down going, who is that guy? What church do they go to? Because I've never seen anything like that before. So there we go. Thank you. You know, I love his testimony because I believe, you know, we, we often talk about, you know, the prophetic and how this is our training ground, right? Training for what? Training for this. Because the word literally says that when we prophesy, right, it will actually convince the unbeliever. It will speak to them. It's a powerful thing. So I love this again because I know you all go to work, right? And God can speak to you and he can give you revelation to speak into somebody's life. You know, again, I'm gonna share real quick because I remember once just being at work and I worked at Slave Lake at this time and I was insulating. And I remember I was a new believer at the time and I've shared this here before. And so I was insulating with this other young guy and he was not a believer at all. And so we started just connecting. And of course, I'm a new believer. So all I'm doing is talking to him about Jesus, talking to him about Jesus. And he's looking at me like I'm crazy, basically hoping I would just stop talking. And so at one point, his dad had asked us to go pick something up. And I remember we got in his truck and he decides to bag his dad's truck. And so he's bagging his truck and he goes through some water and he hits this little ditch. And as we go through the ditch, the water hits the engine and all that stuff. And all of a sudden the engine stalls and we're stuck. And I remember him sitting there panicking. He tried to start it at least four or five times. This thing would not start. And this is how simple the Lord works. He literally said to me, start the truck. I'm like, what do you mean? Start the truck. So I literally just put my hand right on the key and I said, start in Jesus name out loud so he could hear me. And I looked at him and I said, go ahead and start the truck. He turns it and the, tr- and the truck starts. <laughs> He's looking at me going, what just happened? And I said, you saw what just happened. He didn't get saved, but the next week, my friend Jason Ray went and worked there for the next week as well. And when Jason Ray went there, he finished the deal. The guy got saved in a hot tub. And I'm telling you, the simplest thing sometimes that God tells us to do can unlock a door to somebody's life. Kathleen, Hunter, come on up. Want to hear from Kathleen? Let's give her a hand. Number two. It's actually a Kathleen Mitchell. And it has been for a very long time. I literally said to myself 30 seconds ago, Kathleen Mitchell. Okay, um, I had a healing from chronic pain. Now, this came backstory. Um, you guys have seen me for years pour my heart out in worship. And I was given a very strict command. I don't, that's not quite right, but like a command from God that no matter what, I was feeling or how my body was, I was not to stop worshiping. And there was moments that Joel had to say, no, Kathleen, you can't because you're in too much pain. And then I'd have to text Jenna, sorry, I can't dance today. But through chronic pain, I continued to worship because it didn't matter whether or not I got healed, God was worth it. He was worth the suffering that I was going through, he was worth me pushing through that to worship him because that's what mattered. And um, the third day of this fast, uh, Ben and Jenna were leading and I was face down on the ground and I was like, God, I would like my back to be healed. Um, And Jenna released a, 
a song by Evol Evolution Worship, Miracle, Miracles on Miracles, or something like that. Um, oh yeah, Tulu was singing that. And, and I was just like, okay, God, like, it doesn't matter. And it, I, was, I was speaking it out. I was sobbing on the floor. God, no matter what, it doesn't matter if you heal me. No matter what, I will still worship you. This has been going on for like five years of chronic pain in my back. And all of a sudden, fire from the tip of my head all the way down my spine, spread through my hips, everywhere where the chronic pain just ate at me was lit on fire. And I have been, since then, completely free from pain. And what you need to understand is chronic pain can wipe you out. It completely wipes you out. I would dance on a Sunday and I would be in the bed with a heating pad until the next Sunday. Like it wipes you out and God healed me and it is just the most magical thing where now I can pour out my worship and I'm not stuck with this pain limitation and now I'm getting to learn the difference between what it feels like to be in pain because I've worked out versus just constant pain and I'm getting to start to work on strengthening my core and my back which I have actually not been able to do for years because it would just put me out again so it's so good. So again, now we're, we're shifting, right? So we're seeing how God can move in the area of evangelism, and we're seeing how God wants to touch our bodies, and he wants to heal us. And we're gonna expand on that in a little bit, but before we go, there's Jennifer Breezeball here. There you are, Jennifer, good. You're sitting right at the back. I wanted Jennifer to come up because uh, you guys often here. Let's welcome Jennifer, come on. Now, let me say something about Jennifer. This lady has been serving us faithfully for, I don't know, the last three or four or five months with the community table. And I mean, she is in the kitchen doing some of the, the hard work and preparing food, doing all that kind of stuff, right? But she's doing it for our community. And so you often hear the announcement that we fed, you know, 150 or 200 people, or we did this or we did that, you know, but I've asked Jen just to share a little bit more about it and some of the testimonies that have come through that because Jen gets the behind the scenes stuff now. And so I think it's important for you to hear some of the behind the scenes stuff. And of course, we've had Joan who was serving and we've had Tareen who has served as well so we are a very blessed church but I think we need to hear some of the behind the scenes stuff all right so uh, if you're not familiar uh, for some people might be new we've been doing a program called the community table since lockdown in 2020 providing meals to people in our community just anyone who wants to show up anyone who signs up for a meal can get one and it's passed through many hands like Chris has said and right now the team is me and myself Michelle Kirchmeyer and Amanda Power, who are hopefully both here somewhere. And uh, the last time I talked to you guys was before uh, talking about the in-person meal, which was a new thing that we started, we did in November. So uh, I kind of want to talk about how that went because it was really special and it was a risk. Like cooking, like changing something like that. I can't, cooking a meal for 150 to 200 people 
is stressful, I'm sure you can all imagine. Cooking a meal for 150 to 200 people and not being sure if they're gonna show up is another thing entirely. And so, and, and they did, like it went, so incredibly well like we had so many helpers for uh, also it took 40 volunteers wow. over the course of the week before that event to pull that event off and it was fantastic it was great but like it's it's not a one and done couple hours on a friday it's a lot of investment from like our team and from our body in both time and resources so this is not it's not just a little thing you know uh so keep that in mind um and we had almost 100 people come in for our special Christmas dinner at the end of November. We did gift card giveaways and draws. We had two tables worth of the unhoused coming in to eat. Uh, the volunteers also had a great time. We did cookie decorating for the kids because we wanted to, the community to know this is a family friendly, your kids are welcome here. This is not a stuffy, what you know, weird banquet thing. This is a family event. Come and hang out. And it went so good. The atmosphere in the room was so joyful. Miranda was playing music. Murray was emceeing. Uh, Lori was there taking like family photos, Christmas photos for people because we were trying to like, what are things that are expensive and without outside of the reach of people in our community who are struggling financially but are special? So Lori did family holiday portraits. And so like, we have so many good ideas and they're coming into life and it's because of this body. Like it's not just us who are doing it, it's also because of you. And part of the reason we wanted to do an in-person event as well was to increase our level of connection and relationship with the people that we're dealing with, just so we can better understand who has higher needs, what those needs are, and it, again, just increasing the level of connection they have to our church. And this would be a place that they uh, feel safe, feel known, and that has already happened. Like my, the level of communication I've had with the people that we serve with this program has increased exponentially since November. I get emails and people asking questions and people just saying thank you more. Like we did, uh, we usually do a hamper in December, not a sit down meal. And with this year, we did special breakfast hampers for a special Christmas breakfast with like cinnamon buns and eggs and sausages and stuff and then Christmas treats which is a whole nother endeavor, but like I got so many emails back from people saying like, thank you and thank you to everyone involved. And that's like me, myself, the team, our volunteers, and you guys, you're involved. And so uh, we're having a lot of impact and like this yeah. matters. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we're doing another in-person event. At, in, on March 1st, it's coming up. And like, I don't feel like I need to tell you that it's important that we help people. Like, we all know that. And the Bible says lots of things about it. It says, don't harden your hearts against the poor. Uh, and to he, he that is generous to the poor, God answers him when he's in times of trouble. And faith without works is dead. You guys all know that. You've heard those sermons already. I'm not gonna tell you them again. <laughs> I will mention them, however. <laughs> receipts uh, so like uh, but like what we're doing is so much more than just meeting the desperate physiological urgent survival needs of people in our community we're not just uh, providing a place in, for people to be safe and seen but we're also have an opportunity to manifest the love of God to people in our community and 
You know, in the Bible it says, for he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Some people need to be shown things, and sometimes that's so much more impactful to show people that they are known, to show people that they are seen, to show people that they are valued, and that there's a God behind all these people who knows them, loves them, and sees them. So, so we need help. We need support. This is the clincher. So there's lots of ways you can get involved to help. There's lots of different shifts and little things we need help with in terms of like time volunteering. And if you can't volunteer time, you can always give us your money. <laughs> money is always welcome. And so like, it helps. Is the overall? So like there, there's like the helps program, which is kind of general. There's the community table, which is the meal. And then we also have the community pantry, which is groceries and stuff. And what Michelle does is like, like buy fresh groceries, vegetables, meat, stuff, milk, and stuff, especially for people, because every most like 98% of the people who come, go like are also served by the food bank. Like we are hitting the people in need in our community. So Michelle prepares like special groceries for these families. Some of them are families of seven kids, and some are older people who are have no vehicle, have no resources, and don't have any family near them. So that's community pantry. So give, give your time. Uh, at the end of the service, I'll be at the welcome table with Amanda and Michelle. For, you can uh, talk to us about how you can help with your time and or sign up for a shift for the week that's the last week of February Excellent. to help. Yeah. Excellent. You know, I just want us to, Joan, uh, Tareen, uh, Michelle, and Amanda, if you're in here, just stand up real quick. I mean, these guys have been in the trenches, and yes, Treen, you too. You know, whether it's with the HELPS program, community table, the homeless, all this stuff, we are very thankful for what they do. Thank you, Jennifer, we appreciate it. You know, uh, being in the trenches isn't always the funnest job, but someone's gotta do it. And I'm so thankful for these guys that they're in the trenches doing some of the hard work. But let me tell you, they need our prayer, right? They need our prayer big time, right? All right, so I'm really excited about this next one. Yeah, it's you, buddy. Uh, my friends, Norm Andrews, is coming up here. And uh, I love Norm. Uh, I've given Norm a little bit more time and our next person a little bit more time. Uh, but I'm still up here just so they don't take all the time. <laughs> but uh, I love this guy. I love his story. I mean, he has prepared. He said he has like, what, 10 pages of notes? 14 pages, 14 pages of notes. But uh, Norm represents something, right? This guy represents what God can do. And his testimony is a little more raw than some of the ones we've heard, and I felt it's very important that we hear this man's testimony. So I'm not sure exactly what you're gonna share, but God, we just pray that you would guide Norm as he shares by the power of your Holy Spirit. Just lead him, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome Norm, okay? Do you want a chair or are you good? No, I'm good. Good morning. How many is happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Like this. There you go. Here we go. So, there's about 90% of the testimony here because 10% of it, there's no way I could tell it in church. So I'm trying to give you the best I can. It's like 30-something years of running from God. So to put it into 14 pages, it's not easy. But I pray that it'll uh, touch your heart. It's from the heart. And it's very amazing what God can do in your life if you allow him. Uh, he can do anything. 
There's no limits on what God can do. So, here we go. I hope you enjoy. Okay. Here we go. We got to get feel like a pastor. Yeah. So, I grew up in a Christian home and a church since I was a boy. I can remember as a boy going to church with my parents on a Sunday night and laying under the church pew if I got tired until church was over. Church was a huge part of my life, and as a young boy and into my youth, I was involved in crusaders, youth meetings, and occasionally went to prayer meeting. In my early teens, I was involved in music for many years and played the drums. We even had a church band with my friends and I and traveled uh, to certain towns in Newfoundland, if you can tell by my accent, I'm from Newfoundland, uh, to play in a youth, youth conventions. I was pretty faithful to the church till about 17, 18 years of age. At 18, we traveled across Canada. Myself, my mom, and my brother, our dad, was already working there. We started attending the Pentecostal church and fit in really well. My dad and brother and I played in the, in the, in the church. We were musicians there. After a few months of being there and going to school, we started to fit in with the high school kids. Then my brother and I started attending these bush parties. At first, we wouldn't partake in the drinking. We just, uh, would, we just wanted to hang out in the group. They were amazed that we didn't drink and that we, that, uh, excuse me, and that we were firm in our faith as Christians. But if you keep going to the enemy's camp, you're soon gonna lose out with God. After so many times of going to those parties, I took my first drink, which led to more drinks, and soon it was happening every weekend. And I was forgetting about God and my Christian upbringing. I became very popular in Tumblr Ridge with guys and girls. They all wanted to hang with, out with me as I seemed to be the life of the party with my personality and humor. This lifestyle became repetitious, and alcohol led me to being rowdy and tough, and this led to fighting, which I did a lot. I would fight people who picked on my friends, and I wanted to pick up for anyone who was a friend of mine. I felt that's what I had to do, which I didn't. Then one weekend, a couple of friends and I took a trip to Fort McMurray, and it was that weekend I first got introduced to cocaine. I can remember snorting cocaine and feeling invincible and full of energy like I could take on the world. This lifestyle carried on for the duration of our time in Tumblr Ridge, B.C. The family moved to Grand Cash in 93, and the lifestyle followed me. There I would bring cocaine into that little town in Grand Cash. I used and sell. I was probably the only guy selling in the, at there at the time. And this continued for the seven years we lived there. The devil taking many places. After seven years, my father was laid off in the Grand Cash Mine, and he went to Fort McMurray looking for work. My dad commuted from Fort McMurray to Grand Cash until we decided to move to Fort McMurray in 2000. I can remember driving up the highway uh, with my mom and listening to Christian music playing in the car and vowing I was going to change my lifestyle. But instead, I got deeper into cocaine and was selling it again. When I met these two guys on my job site who asked me to move in with them, after I moved in with them, I found out right away they were outlaw bikers, one percenters. And they had been watching me 
and the personality I had on the bus rides from work site, and they asked me to sell for them. I basically told them I would sell for them, but I would not sell for the club. Because I know if I became a member of the club, I would never be able to get out. You gotta watch what you're doing. It's easy to get involved in these clubs. The power I got by being around those bikers and totally of Satan, because we pretty much ran the drug scene in Fort McMurray, and then one night I got introduced to crack cocaine. And I remember steady doing it for like 10 years on a daily basis. I totally was hooked from that one night. Then one of the bikers got upset with me one night and he told me, stop doing crack because I was witnessing to them all the time about Jesus, even when I was high. I would tell them there is a much better life than this. And he saw that I was a good person and didn't belong there with them. So he used to say, what are you doing this for, right? But, it's a crazy story. <laughs> after a while, I started going back to church again. And after many months, I met this girl, and we ended up getting engaged. I soon found out it was not of God. With all the fighting and arguing, the relationship ended. Every time I started to get close to God, the enemy would send women into my life to take my focus on God. If she's not the right woman, it's not going to work out. And I remember... Evangelist, when I was a kid, came to my church in Newfoundland. He prophesied over my life that God would use me in a mighty way, but woman, but women would be my downfall and bring me down. And he was right. I allowed the wrong women, not the right women, but the wrong women into my life and take my focus from God every time. After a couple of years in Fort McMurray, I did meet a Christian lady uh, in the church. And after a year of dating, we ended up getting married. And a couple of years later, God blessed us with a beautiful son. His name is Hunter. He's 17 years old. And he loves God. Amen? Amen. Yeah. There were doing, we were doing really well uh, in life. I was a control room operator for Shell Albion Sands. And my wife was a registered nurse at the hospital in Fort McMurray. And, and we finally purchased our own home together. Things were going well for a few years. Then I decided to move because I wasn't happy and I didn't like the busyness of the city and I wanted to commute. Big mistake. We sold our house and decided to move to Spruce Grove and bought a beautiful home right on the Lynx Golf Course. 60 Lynx Side Boulevard, that was my house. I had it all, a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, a beautiful son. I had trucks, cars, Harley Davidsons, uh, went on amazing vacations, uh, very well out financially, and lived life to the fullest. But I was living a double life. Before I moved from Fort McMurray and Spruce Cove, I was indulging in drugs again, and slowly but surely, I started to fall. You can't mix two together. You're going to go one way or the other way. But you can't mix that life with God's life. And I know. Then I had an incident at work with my temper, because I had a really bad temper. And then I ended up going to anger management. Then in 2011, I ended up losing my job after eight years of working there. Then everything in my life started to fall like dominoes. I'm telling you, one after the other, it only happened in a couple of months. Gone, gone, gone. Then everything, like dominoes. I lost my jobs, my wife, my family, my home. I ended up in jail for a year. 
That Christmas of 2011, all my family were coming to my home in Spruce Grove. That would have been the first time all of us would be together for many years. But a week before Christmas, I lost it all. I ended up in the old Reman, downtown Edmonton. That's not a great place in Edmonton. And that's where my parents and my mom and dad and my brother visited me on Christmas Day, 2011. So I went from having it all to having nothing. Then my parents and my brother paid $15,000 for a lawyer, one of the best, because I had some heavy charges on me, one of the best lawyers in Edmonton to help me to get sentenced, to, you know, to uh, ended up getting sentenced to a year in Calgary Correctional Center. I went. I was released after a year and placed on probation for three years. I kept using drugs and deep, dark depression set in, and I never thought I would ever get out of it. My mom and dad moved to Stony Plain in 2017, and because I was so deeply depressed and not sleeping, I moved there to live with them. Then after a week or so, I ended up in a psychiatric ward of the Grey Nuns Hospital in Edmonton, and I was there for seven weeks. While I was there, my, my psychiatrist sorry, had asked any other concerns or issues, and I told them that there was pain and numbness in my left arm and burning on the chest. I was really involved in cocaine and steroids at that time. I was, fe uh, I was feeling, I was, uh, excuse me, Fort McMurray, and the doctor was tracking me for acid reflux. He sent me for a stress test, I failed. And then he sent me for an angiogram at the Royal Alexander where I, where I discovered I had 10 blockages at 47 years old. One was 100%, he didn't know I was still alive. I knew I was still alive, and I pointed to him and told him. I was immediately rushed to the U of A and was in ICU for a few days to be monitored. Then they told me I needed a quadruple bypass, and I ended up having open-heart surgery at 47. I was out of the hospital in five days, recuperating at home with my parents, and I was laid up for six months, and my mom, being my nurse, thank God for mom and dad. <laughs> um... You think I would have learned by now after open heart surgery, but as soon as I was well enough to get out around again, I went back to the cocaine and the criminal life. I landed a job in Fort McMurray again, but I didn't even get to the job. I got myself in trouble again with the law after just coming operation. This is a little bit real. I beat a guy up. I kidnapped him and threw him in the trunk of my car. He had stolen my checkbook and written checks on my account and stole my boots, work boots, computers, and I felt I needed to take revenge and take the law into my own hands. For that, I ended up in the Edmonton remand again for 18 months, waiting for my lawyer and crown prosecutor to do a joint submission to give me four years instead of the eight years the judge wanted to give me. And I was sentenced to four years in the Drumheadle Penitentiary, in a rough spot. After four years, I got out and went right back at it again. I could not quit. I was a slave to drugs and a lifestyle. You're, I'm telling you, you become a slave. Without the power of Jesus Christ, you'll never get free. I took another job in Fort McMurray that lasted for two weeks. I didn't have an incident, but they suspected I was using drugs. They sent me for a drug test, 
and I failed it. And I ended up losing that job. I couldn't keep no work. You can't keep work when you're steady high. The company dropped me off downtown Fort McMurray, where I partied for three weeks, doing crack cocaine again, which I hadn't done for almost 15 years. One of the guys I was with had his truck stolen, and most of my things that I had in that truck was stolen. Also, they found the truck in North Battleford, Roth Town. Both of us went on a bus to get his truck, and he ended up leaving me there in a hotel and went back to Fort McMurray. There I was all alone in a very rough town where I didn't know anyone or anybody. I was broke and so sick of coming down from the cocaine. A friend of mine from Calgary reached out to mom asking about me, and when she told him I w uh, where I was at and what had happened to, he wanted to help me get into Fresh Start Recovery, which is in Calgary, which is uh, for addictions. Uh, he had done the program and felt he should go there, I should go there as well. He sent me a bus ticket to come to Calgary. I did the four-month program at Fresh Start, and I graduated with a diploma. I was clean for seven months, then I relapsed again, ended up doing drugs again for a couple of weeks. My parents drove the Calgary to bring me back here. I was supposed to attend their 50th anniversary, which I didn't attend because of shame. I listened to the voice of the enemy. I felt so condemned, because that's what he does. He gets you to do it, and then he condemns you, right? Yeah. Then one night, I fell on my knees before God in my parents' basement. And I cried out to Jesus, and I said, God, you have to take this lifestyle from me or I'm going to die. If you don't do it for me, do it for my parents. And from that night to the day, which is almost a year now, I have never been the same. He delivered me from drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, yeah. pornography, lust. See, he can do it all. He just don't do one thing, he does it all, yeah. right? Rehab can give you the tools to help you cope and deal with the drug addiction. But only Jesus Christ can deliver you from pornography and lust and all the other addictions. Yeah. She, they can't do that in rehab. No. They can take care of one thing, but Jesus can take care of it all. Since that night, I've been spreading the message of the love of Jesus and how powerful he is. And I continue to walk with him daily in devotion and prayer and in his word. There is a new day. This is a new day, a new year of beginnings. I do not walk with chains any longer. I walk in freedom. If you are here today and listening online and you are struggling with addiction, lay it at the feet of Jesus. Don't let Satan rob you of your joy any longer. Let go and let God, and your life will never be the same. I can guarantee you, it will never be the same. The devil lie, just don't listen to the lies. That's all he can do to you is lie to you. I want to thank Jesus Christ, first of all, for giving me another chance and rescuing me from the pit of hell. I also pray in parents, man, mom and dad, stand up. Because without them, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for them. I love my parents, man. And my brother, 
and my family. Without your prayers, I don't know where I would be. I wouldn't be, I don't think I'd be here at the, at the church today giving my testimony. And to the church family, you guys, some of you guys prayed for me, man, and I appreciate it. What well, God's love, uh, excuse me, and to my church family, without God's love and mercy, I would not begin, I'd be not be giving this testimony today. I thank you all from the bottom of my heart. God bless you. Thank you so much. It's not me. I give the glory to God, man. I can't take no credit because for 30-something years, I couldn't do it. So all of a sudden, I can do it. That's nothing but God. I can't take anything from God. And I'll never take anything from God. But thank you. He says to me, was that good? <laughs> you know, he said when he came up here, I feel like a preacher. I think you are a preacher, right? Who knows? 100%. I you know, can't get to work in the oil field anymore. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Norm. I appreciate it. We got one more testimony. We're going to go over a little bit. Are you okay with that? Good. Because that's a powerful testimony. And I feel like for some of us in this room, we could just stop right here and we could camp here. What he just shared, whatever it is that you're working through, Whatever it is that's going on in your journey, in your life, there is freedom. Cam said a little earlier, there's a point where you got to stop running, turn around, put your hands up. And that's exactly what Norm did. Is he stopped running and he put his hands up and Jesus found him. And so this is a powerful testimony. This is a raw testimony. And God's going to fill the church with guys just like Norm. We need Norm in the church. We need him in the community. And we are believing that God's going to use you, brother, because you have a call in your life. I believe it. Amen? Yeah. Woo. Where's Paul Captain? He's got a good testimony. Come on, Paul. It's our last one. I'm excited about it. It's so good to be here. Um, three weeks ago, I was in critical condition in the hospital. And by the grace of God, and because of your prayers, I'm here. Um, uh, So my name is Paul Captain. Joan and I, we've been here about 10 years now. And uh, I mean, it would take a long time to go over how much being here has uh, transformed us. And um, so I have, I'll, I'll give a couple of quick stories here. Um, medically, what happened to me, I have a lymphatic condition. Uh, for the last 25 years, I get infections in my left leg that are called cellulitis, 
which is basically uh, bacteria gets in under the skin. You get this red, nasty infection. And about 35 or so times I've had to go to the hospital for IV therapy to fix it. Um, it happens really quick. The last several times it has gone into septic shock, which is about a 50% mortality rate. And uh, again, that goes really quick. There's not much you can do about it. Um, but medically what happens is your blood gets contaminated with this bacteria and your body starts shutting your organs down and your blood pressure drops and your, the doctors are trying to fight your immune system to save your life. Um, so three weeks ago on Thursday, I stubbed my toe. Saturday, I woke up with a sore leg. About an hour later, I was in the hospital. And about three hours after that, I was in the ambulance going to U of A. Um, and I was in an ICU. And uh, yeah, you're, uh, you go in and out of consciousness. One of the things like, you know, with your aunt, when you're in sepsis, they, they get radical. They start cutting parts of you off. <laughs> so I'd wake up and I'd feel to see if my leg was still there. Um, and that takes a toll. It takes a toll on my family. So medically what happened is, you know, fairly consistent protocol and they just kind of see where you're at and then you go through, after they control your sepsis, they start analyzing how much damage your body's taken. Usually I'm in the hospital for a week. But this time, um, on t Sunday I got out of critical care. Monday, they were saying, well, you'll probably be here a week, but we'll move you to another room. Tuesday, I was walking, and I convinced them to let me go home. So all healing is from the Lord. So sometimes it's your body. God puts in pretty cool systems. Your body will regenerate you'll get healing and that's from the Lord. Sometimes it's medical and the doctors have some knowledge, they help your body and that's also from the Lord. But when you get a unexplained healing, when it is, uh, there's no medical reason for it, then it's like, wow. So spiritually, what happened in that same time? Um, Pastor Mark talks a lot about faith. And uh, he always uses a, a couple examples out of the Bible. And one is the paralytic whose friends dropped him in front of Jesus. And their faith is what saved him. So for me, when I go into this thing, I, I don't think clearly. My head is messed up from the infection. And I feel like the roulette wheel spinning and whatever it is, it is. Um, I knew there was a good chance the next time I was here was in a box. And I was okay with that because I knew that the Lord is good. I knew, 
I knew God had my family. And I was, you know, it was all right. But what happened when I got sick this time is there were people all through this church. There were people from Israel to Europe to Hawaii on their face praying for my life. Joan came here Saturday night. And she was here on the mic thanking the Lord and praising him. And spiritually, Ken was sitting at home and he felt something break in the spirit. Ben was up here, felt something break in the spirit. There were people miles away that, oh, I was praying for you and I felt God said it was done. There was a certain time that it happened and there's prophetic people in this house that say, hey, that time means the time of testing is over. It's like, oh. So then my body responded to that. So after I got out of the hospital, I got a prescription to go to Stony Hospital for IV therapy for 10 days to make sure that the infection was done. I had to get reassessed on Thursday. So I went Wednesday, went Thursday. On Thursday, the doctor says, oh, we're taking you off of IV and uh, we're putting you on oral for two days. I thought, well, that's weird. I said, what bacteria was in my blood? Because when you're septic, they take blood samples constantly and they culture it to see what bacteria is in there. He says, oh, we must have missed it. Your blood was completely clean. Joan ran into a friend of ours who's a doctor that same day at Costco, Stefan Potgeter from Stony. He's treated me at the hospital. He knows me well. And she says, this is what the doctor said. He says, there's no medical reason I can think of that he would have gone through septic shock without having anything in his blood. So I know God cleaned my blood, including what was in the Petri dishes already taken. And I can't tell you what it felt like to take communion on the next Sunday. Uh, I also need to testify to what the fivefold ministry is in our church. Um, we talk a lot. We have very very brilliant teachers here. We talk a lot about theory and teachings and, and things like that, but this is the practical. We have an apostolic head in this church that oversees the direction of where things go here. We have some very amazing teachers represented throughout here. They're not all on staff. That teach a good foundation so we have a knowledge of what's going on. So I've been sitting under that for almost a decade. We have prophetic people in the, in the church, in the worship, that they recognize what's happening in the spirit and can relay what they see and what they feel. When you see a weird number, I don't know what that means, but somebody who's prophetic, who can hear from the spirit, can tell me what that means. And that's a function. We have intercessors, people that 
it's very easy to say, I'll pray for you, and you go, God be with him. And then when somebody like me, you're praying for him, and then I get out, it's very easy to say, well, maybe he wasn't that sick. Maybe it was just, you know, he had a stubbed toe and got better. No big deal. But with the prophetic in there, you could feel that. We have the pastoral. We have people calling, what can I do for you practically through this time? We have, we have uh, Parkland Wellness Center upstairs. Three years ago when this happened, this is the sixth time that I've had sepsis. I had to go talk to Jen for like six months because I couldn't get my head wrapped around what the trauma of things that had happened in our family was. That's pastoral. That's amazing. When, when you see the five-fold ministry work the way it's meant to function, that's, that's everything. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your faith saving my life. Let's stand to our feet. First, I just feel like we need to give the Lord a clap offering, right? And to close, I'm going to get Paul just to pray because I feel like there's others who you might need a healing over your body. He's just going to pray over you and whatnot, and we're going to pray that God's going to touch you today. But I just feel like God might be speaking to some of you. You're going through life stuff. You're working through things. And today I'm telling you, it's, it's no fluke that you're here today. The Lord wants to reveal himself to you, and he wants to touch you in a powerful way. And so I know some of us in here have been going through a lot, and maybe we're going through a lot right now. I'm going to say this, just surrender to him, right? And if you don't know how to do that, come and talk to me after the service. And I love to walk with you through this. Because once we surrender to him, just like Norm, things begin to shift. Things begin to get transformed, right? The life that we once lived is not the life we live any longer. This is what he's capable of doing. These people are signs of what he can do. And so I know for a fact that regardless of where your life is at, it can shift, it can change, and it can change fast because of him. The one we're giving glory to is, is not the people up here, it's him. Because he's the one who's done all this. And he can do it for you. I'm a testimony of that. I'm looking around and I know there are many of you right here. You are testimonies of that. At one point in your life, it was not going well. At one point, it was a struggle. Gavin sitting in a truck, <laughs> dealing with addiction, pulls out a Bible. His life is transformed. I mean, me, I come to the front here at 17, my life is transformed. I know just looking around the room, your lives have been transformed because of a moment with Jesus. A moment with Jesus, that's what happens. So again, don't leave here, don't run away from here today. If God is doing something in your heart, just come to the front, we'll have a ministry team up here to pray for you. If you don't know the Lord and you wanna to get to know the Lord, they're gonna help you through that. If you just need prayer for whatever else, they're going to be up here praying for you for whatever that is. But God has touched this man, and I know for a fact there's other people in here who need healing. And so if you need healing today in your body in any way, it doesn't matter if it's physically, mentally, 
If you're struggling with anxiety and stuff like that, I believe right now God can touch you and he can heal you. And so Paul, I'm just gonna ask that by faith now that you would just pray for the body and pray for their healing. God has gifted you with something. And so now we're believing that through you, God's gonna touch our body, amen? Amen. Father God, you're so amazing. No matter what happens in life, Lord, we will declare that you are good. We know that you have our best in mind. And Father, I just ask that you, through all the stories today, that you will help us increase our faith. That stories of your goodness will impact somebody else. That we won't be afraid to testify of the goodness of the Lord. And Lord, I just pray that we see more and more evidence of your supernatural involvement in our life, no matter what it is, whether it's financial or a job or a child. Father, we just we just put our faith in you, not in our ability. But Lord, the gift you've given me through my healing just a couple weeks ago, I, I just pray that other people will be able to receive that same gift. The knowledge that you cared enough to intervene in a physical realm and save a life. Father, bless you and thank you. Thank you for your blood that transforms our blood. Father, bless this day. Let this day be a day of transformation in people's lives. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Can we say amen? Amen. So the altars are going to be open. Uh, Bless you in Jesus' name.